That's Sarah Jarose from her new album, Polaroid Lovers. Now living in Nashville, by way of New York City, this native Texan is making a big noise with her own brand of country rock. And she can't wait for you to hear it. thrilled for this music to finally be out in the world. Um, I recorded it. Uh, it's been a year now. So um, in, in the meantime, I got married and <laughs> took some time to do that. So um, I am just so proud of, of this music. And so for it to finally be out is really quite thrilling. Uh-huh. So where and when did you record the tracks over a year ago? Yeah, so actually recorded the record um, very quickly, uh, more <laughs> quicker than I've ever uh, actually recorded an album before. Um, we did it in December of 2022. Right. Um, and uh, a great studio here in Nashville called Sound Emporium, kind of a legendary space um, that I was thrilled to get to work in. And yeah, I really, um, I feel like in the past, the writing process has sort of always been a almost incorporated into the recording pro process. And I've taken a long time, you know, lots of time to record over a long period, short windows over a long period of time. And um, this time I feel like I took the whole year, almost all of 2022 to just focus on the writing before I even thought about even going into the studio. Right. And so it's something I'd always wanted to do to like have more than enough songs compiled um, ahead of time and whittle it down to the best. And uh, that's, that's what I got to do this time. And I'm, I'm really, really, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed doing it that way. It, it felt like much more focused energy once I finally did get into the studio. Mm -hmm. And, and were you, was there a specific musical direction you wanted to go to things you wanted to accomplish changes you wanted to make things you wanted to stay the same? <laughs> It's funny because I think um, in a way it's those things almost sort of happen naturally um, right. in, in the studio. I think the song, the song shows the way for what, what it wants and what it requires to sort of be, um, be fulfilled in a way. Uh, uh -huh. And so, yeah, I think some of the, the, the greater leaps um, sonically on this album, especially with a song like Jealous Moon or Runaway Train that sort of really commit to this more full band, drums, electric guitars, sound. Um, you know, we, we, Daniel, Daniel Tashin, who produced the record, he, he compiled the band. He helped, he helped me put it together. And um, yeah, a lot of that sort of revealed itself naturally in the studio. Yeah, right. I liked uh, Runaway Train. I think we had a little podcasty thing where there was four of us talking about all these albums, and one of them was yours. And we, I think the consensus was that was everyone's favorite. And oh, cool. To me, I had a note in my notes. It kind of reminded me of Tom Petty meets Roseanne Cash. So I don't know if that Love means that. anything to you or not. <laughs> oh, very much so. That's that's a compliment. Thank you.
with um, a guy, John Randall, uh-huh. uh, an incredible writer and guitar player and singer, um, somebody who I've admired for many, many years and, and knew kind of just through, I knew him through Gary Pichosa, who I made my first four albums with. Um, but he and I had never actually written together. And so he was at the top of my list of, of people that I wanted to get together to try to write with. And this was the first song that we wrote together. And I kind of, I actually did kind of going back to your previous question, I knew that I did want to write a song that would be really fun to play live. Um, I think I've kind of, I kind of had this realization where um, in my live show, a lot of the, the songs that I would do to sort of have energy and sort of uplift the set, I would have to turn to cover songs to do that. And so I kind of said to myself, like, what if I didn't have to do a cover song to sort of have this, this uplifting energetic kind of, I, I was really, I, I love I've gotten a lot of the Tom Petty, um, uh, you know, similarity on that track, but when we wrote it, I was actually more thinking in like the nineties country Uh mindset of like almost trying to emulate someone like Patty Loveless, um, Uh and that kind of vibe. And so, yeah, we were definitely going for that. And I, I love what we ended up with. And I think that it is a song that I'm very much looking forward to playing live. Oh yeah. Sounds like, so do you have a band compiled? What, who, who are you, who are you, who are you touring with these days? Yeah. Um, I have some incredible musicians coming on the road with me, um, starting next week, which it's, it's cra- crazy that this is all <laughs> happening. It's upon us. Um, an amazing band for the first few shows. Uh, I'm going to have my, my husband, uh, Jeff Picker who played bass on the whole album. Uh, he'll help me kick off the tour. And then, um, this incredible guitarist, Seth Taylor, um, will be with me for all my touring. And, uh, this drummer, Eric Dube, um, is going to be playing drums and, um, and then, I'll have Daniel Kimbrough, who some people might have seen with Jerry Douglas, come in and play some more bass with me throughout the year. So really okay. incredible musicians. Cool, cool. Now, the, the Runaway Train track is preceded by When the Lights Go Out, which uh, features kind of the concept behind the title, the, the Polaroid Lovers. So maybe you can expand on that. I kind of like your little story. All that. So I wrote that one with John Randall as well, but also with um, uh, a guy by the name of Gordy Sampson, who's a really sought after writer here in town. Um, And it was John's, it was John Randall's idea for us. After we wrote Runaway Train, we were like, wow, that went well. We should write more. (laughs) Um, Right. There you go. And so uh, John had the idea. He was like, this guy, Gordy is an amazing musician. I think you guys would really hit it off. And sure enough, the three of us got together. And I, you know, aside from my writing um, with Aoife and Sarah, Aoife O'Donovan and Sarah Watkins in my band, I'm with her. I think I had only ever written with two other people one other time. So it was right. it was kind of an, a, still a new thing to be in the room with two other writers. But Gordy 
is from Cape Breton. And so he kind of had, he brought this like six, eight um, time feel uh, in, into the room. And before we knew it, we were kind of just leaning into that six, eight feel. And it, it um, I knew that I wanted to write a song about the beginning, like the, the pre-relationship part of, part of the relationship when you're sort of, you have your eyes set on someone and you're curious about them and sort of that exciting time before you're actually in it. Um, and yeah, and then that just sort of, you know, over the course of the writing session, Polaroid Lovers made its way into the chorus. And it was just this, this kind of image that came to us about, like, very literally two lovers in a Polaroid picture, this kind of romantic image. But then it very quickly became something much bigger, which was like, um, you know, time, and how we relate to time and how moments are fleeting and sort of our relationship to being in the moment, moments that have passed, but that stay with you. And then also like thinking ahead and right. all of those things sort of encompassed in that chorus. Gotcha. You seem too young to know what a Polaroid camera is. <laughs> <laughs> those things are making a comeback. It's like vinyl. I heard that they are, but I didn't know that that was really a thing. So do you have a camera? I actually, you know, I didn't have one when we wrote the song. And now that I have an album called Polaroid Lovers, I felt like I needed to get one. So I, I do have one now. <laughs> <laughs> do they make them new or do you have to go buy an old one? They they, they do make them new. I, I got a new one. I think the vintage ones are probably quite expensive because um, the film the film is not cheap either. <laughs> I mean, we, I'm old, so we used to have them all the time. Nobody thought twice about them. Right. <laughs> now, I wanted to jump ahead to Mescal and Lime, the, the closing track on the album, because it's a little different vibe than everything else there. And it sounds like a good vibe. Ooh, with you, soaking in the sun. I'm glad you uh, singled out that song because um, you kind of always wonder if the last, if people will, especially in today's world, if yeah, people will yeah. even make it to the last song on the record. Um, I'm very, I still very much create uh, in a record mindset. I think about albums as a whole and I hope that people do listen to the whole thing. Um, uh -huh. But yeah, Mezcal and Lime, um, I wrote with Daniel Tashin. That was that was actually the second, the first song that we wrote together was Take the High Road. And that was the song, that was the first song that was written for the record. And it sort of like paved the way for a lot of this to happen. But Mezcal and Lime was the second song that we wrote. And it was inspired by a trip that um, my husband Jeff and I took with a couple of our friends in spring of 2020. 22 uh to oaxaca mexico um oh. which is just i mean anybody who's been knows what an absolutely magical place it is and we during the trip we got to do this mezcal educational tour um where we went around to a few different they call them palenques which is where they make the mezcal and it's really 
it's a, it's a family operation. You're in these people's literal right. homes. Um, so it's, it's, right. <laughs> it's sacred, you know, it's a, it's a real sacred thing and it's kind of controversial that it's becoming a little more mainstream, but I think, you know, people are trying to protect it uh, yeah. because of what a special thing that it is. But anyway, it was just so magical and so special and, when we got back to kind of dreary Nashville in the spring, I, I, I was like, we should write a song that just sounds like summer and sounds right. like this experience that I just had. And um, just like a love song, but also an ode to Mezcal and how it can be this like transportive uh, spirit. And um, so I feel like we did that. And I love, I love the, um, oh, the other part of, of that song, um, that is important to mention is that Daniel had lent me after we wrote Take the High Road at that first session, he had this uh, nylon string guitar uh, just lying around his studio. And he was like, why don't you just take the guitar home and see what happens? And because I didn't I don't have a nylon string guitar. And and that was a huge part of what led to that right. song was just messing yeah. around on the nylon. <laughs> Nice. Well, yeah. You need more new instruments then. <laughs> I guess so. We're running out of room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Yeah, and you moved from to Nashville from New York City, right? Correct. Yeah. Which is what Columbus and 89th is kind of based around. Is is that right? Yeah. So how yeah, are you feeling exactly. about the move and how this and with the song in mind? So give my regards to Broadway and tell her that I. I can still see the street lights shining in the night at the corner of Columbus and 89. And 89. I love it, loving living here in Nashville. It was um, it was something that I think I had my sights set on. I just didn't know if it was the right time, but then the pandemic sort of made that decision for me. <laughs> right. Um, as it did for a lot of people, um, you know, so many people m moved around and had to f kind of figure out a new, a new place, a new, new space to be at. in that regard. I feel very lucky that I had another place to go and not be cooped up in a tiny New York apartment, um, which a yeah. lot of my friends were for, for the pandemic. Um, yeah, I loved, I mean, New York's the greatest. I loved living there. I was very fortunate to live there for seven years. Um, but this song just sort of, it was one of the last songs that we wrote for the album, um, me and Daniel. Uh, and in a way, it was almost like um, a therapy session for what I had not really quite processed um, in just in how all of that change almost really more signifying kind of leaving the chapter of my youth behind and starting the chapter of adulthood and and marriage and living in a house and you know all of those things for the first time um and this song just sort of processed that for me and it, it was very emotional to write because it like i said it all just happened so fast that i wasn't actually processing it when it was happening um and so it's it's a special it's in a way it's the most personal song on the record um and uh it it holds a lot of emotion for me um and I think what's been what's been cool since it's been out um is that other people seem to be able to find their story in it as well even though it's like a personal song to me um I think a lot of people can relate to that 
feeling um, during the pandemic, but also just in general in life when you kind of are moving from from one one portion to another portion and at one phase to another phase and sometimes it's beyond your control and and you kind of don't process it until after the fact right right uh, well, I'm glad the move worked well for you because yeah be no I mean I'm very lucky I mean this it, Nashville is great and there's yeah. such a great community here well, I was very impressed with it when I finally got there because I had a kind of my own vision of what it must be like, which wasn't what it was. Uh -huh. <laughs> so it was much cooler. <laughs> so, there you go. Anyway, so, so yeah, records out here, almost there. You're, so what are you doing to prepare for the tour? What, how, how are you mentally preparing yourself to hit the road and, and present these songs? Just been thinking a lot about the set list, kind of like building, building out the set list to incorporate it, you know, it's a good problem to have now sure. that I have, I have more than enough songs for, for any given night. Album, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of a new, a new, I feel like, you know, you kind of go in the early days of being an artist, you're scrambling. It's like a comedian trying to get enough time yep. for their set. You know, you're like, how many songs do I need to fill out? And now I'm kind <laughs> of like, I don't have enough time to play all the songs I want to play. Um, so yeah, I've been sort of on my social media kind of asking people what older songs of mine are they want to hear. Yep. And so I'm going to try try to incorporate older songs, but definitely going to be playing a lot of the songs from the new album. Um, I always like to throw in a couple of covers for fun. Um, yep. And yeah, it's this first run is a full, full month out on the road. So, you know, it's... Um, touring has its pros and cons. It's, it's hard to be away from home that long, but you know, it's like I said before, this record has been a long time coming and I think it'll just, I'm just going to really try to treat it like a celebration um, of, of these songs and this album. And, and just, you know, the, the world is, is a crazy place. And I feel really lucky that I get to hopefully bring people a little joy um, out there on the road. Excellent. Well, hopefully you can bring it down here to this part of the planet. Somewhere. I hope so. Yeah, I've never been to New Zealand, so oh, want one of these the days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>